Hello, and welcome to a podcast about holiness. With me are Professor Gavin de Costa, who teaches Catholic theology at the University of Bristol, to give us a Christian perspective, and to give us a Jewish perspective on holiness, Rabbi Yitzchok Adlerstein, Director of Interface Affairs at the Siemen Wiesenthal Center. Uh, welcome to you both, and thank Hi. you very much for joining us. Thank you so much. When you started thinking about our topic, about holiness, it tied in really well with the idea of the God who speaks. How do we change when we truly listen to him? So you have both turned to his word, to Holy Scripture, to explore this. I'm really intrigued to hear um, what you have found. Rabbi, would you want to start us off? We have to start by defining terms. The, the first thing that comes to mind is that people grasp for a definition of holiness It's one of these things we talk about, but can't do anything about, like the weather. And that's really unfortunate. There is so much that is in the concept if we spend the time to discover what it is. The first place that we start is, is by understanding what holiness is not. It, it's not the absence of the unholy. Uh, just like happiness is not the absence of sorrow or pain, and virtue is not the absence of vice, Holiness is not the absence of the unholy. It is, it's the presence of a quality. In, in Judaism, that quality takes on almost substance, spiritual substance. It follows us through life in different ways. The first place we encounter holiness is not about holy people or even holy objects. It's God calling a chunk of time holy. God sanctifies the seventh day and makes it holy. So we still not, we haven't decided what holiness is. And there, there are many different approaches in Judaism. The one that I, I favor, that I find easiest to convey to myself and my children and students is seeing the ultimate holiness as God himself. The one object in the universe that is undeniably holy is transcendent, rises above all limitation and need, is God. When we imitate God's essence, we come close to becoming holy ourselves. And the best way of doing that is understanding what God is and what he is not. God is not some figure in heaven who is Superman, who's developed an immunity to red kryptonite. Christians and Jews, at least the ones who are into theology, understand God as the being from which all existence stems. God is the source of everything. God is the being that without which nothing would exist. A perfect being such as God cannot receive. We can't make God any better. We can't make God more fulfilled. Everything that God asks us to do is for our benefit, not for his. So God is the ultimate giver and not receiver. We become holy as people when we imitate that part of God by learning to give rather than receive. The imitation of God, that's a really interesting starting point. I'm going to hand over to Gavin to give us um, his initial thoughts about holiness and how we achieve it. So in Leviticus, we have this remarkable statement, be holy for I am holy. And that's a bit scary because it sounds like idolatry. You know, us humans trying to be like God. What's very interesting is in the New Testament, the be holy for I am holy is transferred to Jesus Christ. And there begins then a tradition of the imitation of Christ, which is central 
to the Christian view of what holiness is. So what is imitating Christ? Answer it is to begin to participate in God's life and be transformed by it. How? So one thing that Jesus does a lot is pray. Uh, he prays on his own. He's always trying to get away from the crowds to get some time. He even teaches us how to pray by giving us some words. So one theme for us, holiness is prayer. Second, Jesus participates in the religious life of his community. He's a really good Jew, reads the scripture, he has commentary on it, he participates fully in the temple. So in the analogous sense, Catholics and Christians are called to participate in the sacramental life of the church, which is the giving of the gift of Christ in every stage of our life and in whatever we do. Third point is the practice of charity. And this is quite amazing. Of course, uh, it's almost impossible to achieve the type of perfect love. And that's the scary bit of the Christian life. It's a demand that we keep doing it. And we try to be perfect as we are called to be. Charity is the self-giving. Fourth and final theme, I think, which is central to Jesus' teaching, is vocation. The vocation means not that you've got to be a priest or a nun or a bishop to be holy. You've got to be you, find out what is your path. And whatever your path is, and Mother Teresa has this lovely saying, you've got to be holy where you are, whoever you are, and whatever you do. So that's the universal call. Thank you very much, Gavin. So you've both started us off in really interesting ways here. I could almost hear you thinking while the other one was speaking. I did promise you before we started the recording that I would help you to show in among all the agreeing that I'm hoping you will do, how you can disagree in friendship and in great respect for each other, because I think that's a really important skill that you both model so well. So I'm going to ask you what you would like to disagree on first in each other's statements. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's quite a challenge to be able to disagree with you. But I, I will disagree with Gavin in a friendly sort of way. Gavin paints a picture of a much prettier world than the one that we're ordinarily looking at. Uh, everything that he mentioned is wonderful, and I wish it would become the vocation of more people on the planet. Mm -hmm. As a Jew, I, I find it somewhat limiting. I can't wrap my head around system in which certain parts of life are given to holiness to the exclusion of others which are either unholy or even just mundane or, or profane. In Judaism, the, the trick is to try to elevate everything, to consecrate the ordinary, not the things that we just consider to be religious. If you look at the system of commandments in the Torah, 613 of them there is an inordinate number that are devoted to things that are very common and ordinary, like, like eating. And not just because eating is an, is an occasion which we can share with others, but because it is so, it is shared with the animal kingdom, precisely there is the opportunity to elevate some spark of holiness within it. One very amazing thing is that if we look at, say, my own tradition, Catholicism, although in the modern time we don't tend to emphasize it, it is full of rules and regulations about 
absolutely everything, simply because absolutely everything is a way in which one can follow God. So right now we're living through a time in Catholicism where it's seen as a bit you know, uncool or bad to emphasize all these rules and laws and regulations. But we are very much out of that same kind of tradition. But you've got a good point. And certainly, you know, like uh, going to Mass on a Sunday becomes a bit of a, a kind of uh, that's the thing to do for holiness as opposed to don't kick your dog or how to eat food in a civilized way and share properly with other human beings. So I agree with you totally. Being holy is about being human in every moment. Which I think nicely takes us on to the question that I think you both touched on, but I, I'm really eager to hear a bit more on. So how for you does scripture translate into lived experience? How does this becoming holy work now, you know, at our time for us as people of the 21st century? So I have this experience of uh, being a person who goes to mass more than on just a Sunday And I keep hearing scripture there. And every time it's heard, it's actually a challenge about how I have to live my life, which means sometimes I wish I didn't go to Mass so often because it's very uncomfortable. But in a sense, scripture is there to lead us into being formed in the image of God. A typical example is a reading recently which said uh, last Sunday, if uh, someone abuses you, be nice to them. If someone asks you for something, give them more than what they ask for. And then I walk straight into the street and there's a person who's asking for food because they're living on the street. And my instinct, which raises the whole question of how to live the Christian life, is to say, I give to charity, I give to lots of places. But the whole point is this scripture is a constant conversation with God and a constant demand. Does that ring a bell for you, Rabbi Yitzchok? It does. And uh, again, I'm going to uh, double down on what may be a, a subtle difference in, in lifestyle. Mm -hmm. uh, because as an observant Jew, I am uh, part of a, a system of law that encompasses everything in life. There, there's no moment that goes by that doesn't require me to ask, what is it that God wants me to do at this time? But the exhilarating thing is that beyond the requirements of the law, which, believe it or not, traditional Jews see as a blessing and as, as something that sets one free rather than a burden, beyond all of that is the fact that every single opportunity, every moment of life is an opportunity to ask the next thing that I do or say or don't do. Will that bring me closer to God, which is my goal, or set me further back? It means that the ordinary can be transformed, that there's a holy way to mow the lawn or to go to a football game or to crack a joke or, or to spend time with your grandchildren. All of this is, is bursting with opportunity to be holy. Where scripture comes in, and I'm going to use it in the wider signification of the word of God, is that I could not get through a single day without bathing my mind in the word of God. To a traditional Jew, it means not just scripture, but scripture and all of the commentary. But as my kids grew up, my wife would warn them when I came home, don't speak to Abba, to dad, 
before he's fed. <laughs> Men are that way. I, I say that it wasn't just true of food. If I didn't have my quality time poring over a page of Talmud every day, I was also grumpy and not the person that I should be. And I'm glad that you mentioned that sort of everyday holiness, um, sort of from scripture, from conversation, from interaction with your family, because I was going to ask you to, as a final question, just for a sentence or two, I love the sense of optimism that you've left us with, to leave our listeners with a sense of optimism. Where at the moment do you personally see holiness? Gavin, would you like to go first? It's interesting, you know, there are all these famous saints and I have a number of saints I follow, but I think in my mum, who's a sort of simple Catholic and probably won't be listening to this because she gets very bored with all this <laughs> theology, the fact of her giving selflessly for so many years and uh, looking after my sister, myself, my dad, creating a community in a home and giving us the faith. So... I see holiness in the most simple people who sometimes drive me mad. <laughs> Sorry, Mum. <laughs> Rabbi Yitzchok, where do you see holiness? I, I think that's a that's a beautiful thought, Gavin. I certainly echo it and don't disagree. I, I think my final comment would be that when people hear about holiness, they think of something somber and morose and boring. And the, the point of this conversation, I think, between Gavin and myself, we didn't know where we were going to wind up is that we're talking about, about ordinary life and that holiness can be found everywhere. Indeed, that is God's challenge to us. There's, nothing, there's no downer about it at all. There's no question about room for optimism. Life is good. It's the greatest gift God could give us. It's a wonderful existence, and it's pregnant with opportunities to get closer to God for eternity. And I think that leaves me absolutely nothing to add but to say I'm really glad we covered 2,000 years of shared history and I think 15 minutes, which is quite some feat. And thank you so much both for coming on this journey with us. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you. Thank you.